Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome to Browns Film Breakdown brought to you by Axios Sports, the number one site for customizable sports newsletters delivered to your inbox daily. I'm your host, Jake Burns, writer at the OBR, coming at you guys on a Thursday evening, looking ahead, finally turning the page on the San Francisco 49ers. We're not going to talk anymore about that debacle. Just did a podcast with um, John Colosimo and Mike Krupka where we discussed it. I'm putting it to bed. Wrote an article on it today. Um, wrote an article on how the 49ers manipulated the run game earlier in the week and wrote an article about Baker Mayfield's processing issues. I encourage you to read it. It's a free read. Over at the OBR, we typically have these things as subscriber content, but I wanted to give you guys a taste of what's going on at the OBR and really encourage you to sign up for just a dollar your first month if you can to give us a taste because you're going to get excellent film quality, not my, just myself, uh, John Stephenson, uh, which is all 22 Chalk Talk on Twitter, and then um, you know Lane Atkins, who does a great job with rumors and con- team connections, Mac Robinson, Fred Greetham, the beat writer, it goes on and on. It's worth it. I do a lot of work with this stuff, and I, I stay up long hours, and um, I truly appreciate you guys uh, subscribing if you already are, and um, it means a lot to me. It's how I earn a little bit of my living, and um, yeah, we're just, we're just going to keep pumping out the best film quality content in the Cleveland market. There's no doubt about that. But again, we move on. We, we bury Baker Mayfield's issues. Everyone should have a good feel for what they are now, the eye processing, all of it. And um, he has to get his eyes right this week. It is a big week for the Browns in terms of who they play here and what they can do and the opportunities that the Seattle defense presents to them. So we're looking at the Seahawks, who are a 4-1 and football team. Um, wins over Pittsburgh and Cincinnati to start the year. Uh, 21-20 over Cincinnati, 28-26. Three points total to beat two teams considered to be in the bottom of the AFC North, and then lose to New Orleans, and um, that's a, a Drew Breesless Saints team, and then beat the Cardinals 27-10, and then sneak out a win 30-29. to So if you look at, they have three wins by a total of four points. This is a 4-1 and one football team, and a record tells you who you are, but sometimes it can be deceptive, and this is a very beatable 4-1 and one football team, although they do have a, a plethora of talent at some uh, a very, very important positions. It all starts with Russell Wilson, who's their uh, face of the franchise, everything that you could hope for as a franchise quarterback, playing out of his mind right now, truly um, putting together one of his best seasons. And and really, you could argue that he's playing as well as any quarterback in the NFL, including Patrick Mahomes, and maybe even a more efficient version. He is uh, 114 of 156, a 73% completion percentage, 1,409 yards, 12 touchdowns. No interceptions. I believe the first quarterback in NFL history to start with 12 touchdowns, no interceptions through five games. Nine yards per attempt. It goes on and on. He is taking some sacks, 13 sacks as he's a play extender, keeping things alive with his feet like he does. So there's opportunity there. But, God, he's good when he extends a play. He's ridiculous. Chris Carson had a bit of a fumbling issue uh, early in the year. 380 yards on 94 attempts, a touchdown. Wilson second, 27 attempts, 120 yards, two scores. Rashad Penny, the young running back they drafted in the first round a few years back, 22 carries, 98 yards, a touchdown. And then C.J. Procise has 9 for 16 and a touchdown as well. Um, where it gets interesting is some of their skill guys. Wide receiver, 
Uh, Tyler Lockett's their go-to guy, a uh, good all-around football player. 30 catches on 36 targets, 379 yards, three scores. Will Disley, who is the security blanket for Russell Wilson, especially when he likes to get rid of the ball quick against zone defenses. I, I have a very um, you know, fond opinion of Will Disley. He's had 23 catches on 26 targets for 262 yards, four touchdowns. Next is DK Metcalf with 12, uh, 12 catches for um, 267 yards. That's on 26 targets, so he's not efficient, and we didn't expect him to be because he doesn't run an efficient route tree, but when he does get the football, his 22.3 yards per reception number is dangerous. He's similar to A.J. Brown, who the Titans beat with the, uh, some, some, some downfield routes off play action in week one, so that matchup will be, will be sort of fascinating to watch. Uh, other than that, nobody really you know, big of note. Jerron Brown has eight catches for 116 yards. He'll be their third, uh, third wide receiver. Malik Turner has five for 73, but that's about it. They're skill guys. Got to stop Carson. Got to stop Lockett. Got to stop Disley. Got to stop Metcalf. It's a pretty solid, uh, pretty solid group for Russell Wilson. And um, up front, they're dealing with some injuries. Uh, I do know that things have gotten a little dicey for them. I believe um, Jermaine, uh, no, DJ Fluker, their starting right guard, will be out. Uh, other than that, they are not very good up front. Dwayne Brown, their left tackle, is solid. Uh, Mike Ipati, Justin Britt, and Jermaine Afedi are, are not very good football players, and they're not grading out as good football players. Some of that is due to the strain that Russell Wilson puts on them, but they're not overly effective. And uh, the, the Browns, who we've been begging for a big day from the front, hopefully they can put some pressure on Wilson and maintain him within the pocket. So per the usual, getting after the quarterback will be important. I do fully expect Seattle to get to 24 points. I think their offense is that explosive and it's clicking that well right now. Um, you know, if the Browns are able to hold them under that, that'd be fantastic. If you let them get more than 24, you're really putting a strain on the Browns offense to score more. But uh, 24 is sort of that number where I've settled on where I think Seattle will end up because Russell Wilson's playing such good football right now. Before we switch over to talk about defense, I want to talk to you guys again about who I mentioned earlier, Axios Sports. So following the team, you know, you guys follow the Browns. There's a ton of different sites. Hopefully you continue to use the OBR. It's it's difficult to see what's happening every day in sports. So scrolling through every app, whether it's Bleacher Report, whatever, uh, that the, 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 the goal of Axios Sports is to bring it on to one daily newsletter and just literally give it to your email inbox and, uh, and, and put it right in front of you. There are modern... Sports page that, like I said, is delivered right to your email. It's signing up as free at, at sports.axios.com. You'll get the best stories for anybody you want, whether it's the Cavs, uh, whether it's the Indians, whether it's the Browns, or whoever you're into, um, NFL to cricket, ping pong, whatever. They deliver it all. They'll collect it all and put it in your email inbox, which is a fantastic thing. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. Super simple. Signing up is free, sports.axios.com. Not only would be caught up, You'll be, you'll be the guy in the office sharing all those links that nobody else has seen yet. You'll be the sports guru. Everybody loves that. So join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up every day in their email inbox before it even begins. The best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing like that. So again, sign up at sports.axios.com. You get to try it again for free, $99, $0, sports.axios.com. So now let's shift to the defense. The, uh, the Seahawks do not generate a ton of pressure with their front four. They're actually one of the league's worst at front four pressure. They're starting uh, Puna Ford and Al Woods inside. Ziggy Ansa, the aged defensive end, starts opposite Jadevian Clowney. Clowney's playing good football. The Browns need to find an answer for him. I think they can do that and against you know using 11 personnel where they can have a tight end chip him, have a back be there to help. 
That's the threat up front. That's the guy they went out and traded for. Ziggy Ansah, Puna Ford, I would solid run game players, but they are not getting after the quarterback that well. So the Browns have to be able to keep Baker clean this week and give Clowney that extra attention. Linebackers, they play three linebackers all the time. Um, really, really consistently play three linebackers. One of the few teams who do that, they just don't have a, a, a slot corner that they trust, and we'll talk a little bit later with our guest about that. But they play Michael Kendricks. Yep, that Michael Kendricks who was released in the preseason for the uh, federal indictment, still free man. Bobby Wagner and K.J. Wright, they're struggling in coverage. I tweeted out a fe- you know some stats about this and how all of them are grading below 57 in pro football focuses coverage metrics and giving up 650-plus yards between the three of them. I fully expect the Browns to use 11 personnel and go after them often. They need to get their better athletes in space against these linebackers because that is where advantages can be had. And um, I fully expect the game planning to focus on that because it's been a weakness. Bobby Wagner is all world. He's all pro. He'll figure it out. He'll get back to the mean. He's that good. Hopefully it comes next week and not this week. Nonetheless, the Browns have to attack those linebackers. Uh, Shaquille Griffin and Trey Flowers are your corners. Trey Flowers, not very good, um, grading out extremely poorly. Their free safety, Tedrick Thompson, who made the nice one-handed interception to end last week's game, um, but is but is just miserable uh, performances in the back half and is giving up quite a few yards and run game issues. And then Brad McDougald is a, is a solid veteran, but this secondary is nothing to write home about. The linebackers are, are strong in the run game, but they are not effective pass coverage guys. And they do not get after the quarterback that well. This is why the line is low. I feel better about this week than I felt about the 49ers because the 49ers are constructed to give the Browns fits based on personnel. And um, I just I feel okay about this game. Now, does that mean the Browns are going to win? Who knows? Maybe Russell Wilson does heroic Russell Wilson stuff. You never know with this stuff. But I do know that on paper and the West Coast travel that has to happen by – by, uh, and I know they played Thursday, they got a couple extra days of rest, but still going from West Coast to East Coast and playing a 1 o'clock game is an extremely challenging thing uh, for West Coast teams. So hopefully First Energy Stadium is rocking, it is a good atmosphere, and we need the Browns to deliver. They do. They owe these home fans a win. Going 3-3 three and three into the bye week would be massive, and it will be important for them to continue to get better. They've laid clunkers, two of them now before the bye week. They have to play a good football game and challenge the Seahawks and hopefully get the offense on track and be able to come out and do some things. Um, you know, if you're looking at where the key matchups are in this one, you have to handle Jadevian Clowney, and then you have to get, um, you know, defensively, Browns offense, Seattle defense. You have to be able to run the football a little bit. Puna Ford and uh, Al Woods are, are, and Quentin Jefferson are all getting a good amount of snaps, and they're playing good run defense. If you can get the run going against Seattle and make them fear run-pass splits, then you can have some really nice success, uh, you know. But that, that that's going to be a challenge. They they defend the run well. The only solid cover guy should kill Griffin. So can you get Jarvis Landry? Can you get Rashard Higgins if he plays? And can you get Odell Beckham in matchup advantages on the outside and then matchup advantages on the inside for Seattle? It's how do you stop Will Disley? Will Disley is uh, for Seattle's offense is 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 the problem. The Browns don't cover these tight ends well. Continued with George Kittle, they have to figure out how to do that. It's important for them to be able to anchor down and uh, and uh, and stop Will Disley. I think it's it's going to be a big part of the matchup. And keeping DK Metcalf bottled up will be important too. Um, will you know Tyler Lockett will get his, but you cannot let DK Metcalf take off and do his thing. So um, yeah, the, that that's sort of the keys to this game. 
uh, getting some pressure on Russell Wilson, containing him. Those are all vital parts of this. We have a great guest who's going to preview the Seahawks. But before we get to our guest, let's talk about Harry's Razors. Harry's is has uh, been a longtime sponsor of us. I believe in them. They're the uh, they're the best out there. They're going to give you that clean, close shave with the easy glide and low price. Do us a favor, guys. Check out Harry's Razors. All you got to do is go to Harry's Razors slash or sorry Harry's.com slash Blue Wire. They're going to get you that free trial. Harry's is a simple return to what is essential: quality, durable blades at a fair price. Just two dollars a blade. It's super convenient. Blade refills are delivered directly to your door on your schedule with or without a subscription, and there's no risk to you trying them out. If you don't love your shave, let them know, and they'll give you a full refund. So listeners to of Brown's Film Breakdown can get Harry's free trial offer at harrys.com slash bluewire. You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lather shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Again, guys, go to harrys.com slash bluewire to start shaving better today. All right, Seahawks week. No better person to bring in than Danny Kelly. You know him from his work at The Ringer. Um, extensive work with SB Nation Seahawks blog, which is field goals, right? Am I, am I saying that right? Yeah, field goals. It's the, the greatest pun in the world. <laughs> That's right, man. So you're, you're extensively connected to the Seahawks, and uh, I thought of no better person to bring in to chat about where they're <laughs> at coming, coming in to uh, what is for the Browns now a very important week six. So... Yeah. Seahawks have had an interesting beginning to the season. They 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 beat two AFC North teams um, closely, right, by three points total. Yeah. Cincinnati 21-20, Pittsburgh 28-26. Go ahead. You, you tell me the state of the Seahawks right now. It's changed a little bit this year because they have passed a little bit more on first down, and so there's, there's very sort of nuanced, uh, like, p- positive movement in that direction and letting Wilson be Wilson a little bit more, but... I think I just don't think they have the defense this year that they they have in the past and I think they're really going to have to let Russell Wilson do a little bit more this season if they want to continue to be a contender in the NFC. Yeah, I mean, you start with Russ, 12 touchdowns, no picks, 114 for 156, a 73% completion percentage. It's actually Danny the antithesis of what we're seeing in Cleveland with Baker Mayfield right now. Um Yeah. Is there is I think I've seen it something. I could be wrong on a couple of these numbers, but like the last 19 games he's He's like at a forty-two to four ratio. Like, uh, how how the hell's Cleveland slowing down, man? Like, what what is the what is the maybe there is no method right now. This guy is like, you know, he's found that peak. All quarterbacks go through ebbs and flows where they're up and they're down a little bit. Some guys are ridiculously right, right. consistent, and Russ has been great over his career. But this is like peak Russ, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think over his last ten or fifteen games, he's posted better stats than he ever has in his career i mean basically a lot of seahawks fans look back at the second half of the 2015 season uh when he just tore up the league i think it was like an eight game stretch he had 20 something touchdowns to i wish i had it in front of me 20 it was like 25 touchdowns and four picks over like a eight game stretch he was just on fire Mm -hmm. and the seahawks offense really caught fire and so that's kind of the what Seahawks fans look at as the platonic ideal of what the Seahawks offense should look like. At least I do. <laughs> I know a lot of Seahawks fans share that. Um, and he's kind of come back to that. And, I mean, he's he's got nine yards per attempt this year. 
Um, you know, uh, NFL best 126 passer rating. He's just he's just been really on. I think the best way to get after him though is to pressure him, and that's been kind of the story with the Seahawks. You know, he definitely creates some of his own pressure in the sense that he he tries to extend plays and, and do this, that, and the other in the pocket. Um, but the Seahawks offensive line is still not great. They've got an injury to their right guard right now, and DJ Fluker. So. It's looking like Jamarco Jones is probably going to get the start, his first start at right guard. He played pretty well in relief last week, especially going up against Aaron Donald. I think a lot of people were really, really impressed with that, but um, that is definitely a factor, having kind of a new guy on the offensive line. It hurts communication, all that kind of thing. And so I think getting pressure early on Wilson is, is the absolute best way to kind of hopefully mitigate him i think it's it's kind of like i'm not comparing him to michael jordan but it's like you can slow him down that way you can't necessarily stop him but you can slow him down yeah jamarco jones a name ohio state fans here in ohio are very familiar with um it's it's interesting you know you talk about fluker being out as one of their better two Dwayne brown is holding down uh, things according to pro football focus uh, probably their best graded consistent offensive lineman but yeah you're talking yeah. about guys at the bottom of the group here for people who have played over over 200 snaps or 75% of snaps. Justin Britt is a 58-7. In the pass blocking side of things is really rough too. And now, like you said, it's difficult with those guys like Mikey Potty and Jermaine Afidi. I think it's Afidi or Feedy. Um, mm-hmm. they, they, they struggle pass blocking, but it's, it's a little bit of that Aaron Rodgers extend the play stuff and Russ is of that same mold that they do – just some stupid stuff outside of the pocket in terms of uncanny <laughs> uncanny ability. I don't mean stupid, crazy, right. like like bad decisions. Sometimes it just it puts immense amount of stress on those linemen, um, like you yeah. know, obviously. Yeah. And that's that's somewhere Cleveland's going to have to do a nice job of, which is which is pressuring, like you said, but not pressuring um, in, in a wild nature. Pressuring with purpose, trying to bottle him up in yeah. a way that doesn't allow him to do those rust being rust things like you're talking about. And um, I think that'll be paramount for Cleveland. Jamarco Jones' emergence, if he can continue that stretch, because Cleveland has two pretty solid interior defensive linemen. That matchup will be fun to watch, mm-hmm. too. As far as Russell's weapons go, yeah. Tyler Lockett, I know Chris Carson's had the fumbling issue. I, I don't know if that has faded here recently. I haven't really followed it closely. But, like, D, DK Metcalf, um, I think, uh, are they playing? Well, yeah, Will Disley, uh, how's that group doing for him? Yeah, so... Carson hadn't in his career or even his college career really had a fumbling issue. And then in, I, I want to say the first three or four games, he had three and a half fumbles. One of the fumbles was sort of a, a botched exchange. And so it's kind of hard to place blame on Wilson or Carson on that one. But um, yeah, he had three really bad fumbles that each led to touchdowns. And so people were really, really frustrated because he's, easily the most talented and most physical elusive back in their offense and in in their on their roster he's just really really good he's kind of the embodiment of i think what the seahawks want to be on the ground game it, it's you know he he's the continuation of the beast mode style at least he he, he i think he broke like 20 something tackles i saw that per sports si or, or per uh sis he, he broke i want to say 20 plus tackles in the last game um he was just you know beasting and so that is exactly what they want from their run game however if he fum- if he keeps fumbling that's they're just gonna have to stop playing him at some point um but that said he, he didn't fumble in last game um they stuck with him they've showed trust in him they've kind of you know p carroll loves him he loved him ever since they drafted him p carroll's actually kind of 
pick. You know, I think they when they first picked him in the seventh round of whatever it was draft a couple years ago, um, Pete Carroll was like, yeah, that was my guy. I got one pick in the seventh round to like make, and it turned out that he was really, really good. So um, Carson's definitely still the lead back, and, and they're trying to get him into the passing game a bunch this year. Um, there's been pretty, I mean, there's been mixed results to that, obviously, but he's definitely getting more involved in the passing game. Um, Tyler Lockett is they're easily their number one guy. He kind of plays all over the formation. He'll line up in the slot. He'll go on the outside. He's a, he's a very good deep threat. And on play action, he has the ability to get, you know, behind defense. And on the other side, they've got DK Metcalf rookie, um, you know, obviously there was a ton of talk about him not being able to turn quickly and, and have agility and all that, but that's not really mattered a whole lot with the way that the Seahawks run him. You know, they basically been asking him to do exactly what he did in college, which was run vertical routes down the left side of the field or run slants or post routes up the middle. And so, you know, his route tree is very, very limited. Um, and his number, like his catch rate is really low. He's not super efficient, but he still has basically on every play the ability to take the top off of defense. I mean, he has, I call it drag racer acceleration. He can just get behind a defense so fast. If you if you take one wrong step, he can get behind you. And that's kind of the Seahawks game. They you know, they'll set up they'll set up their play action deep shots with like three or four plays in a game where, you know, they're basically running the same look. And handing it off, handing it off, handing it off. And then finally, you know, they'll try and chuck it deep. And, and so that's kind of how they go about it. And um, so he, he's been a factor for them. He, he's not super efficient as a rookie, but he's definitely been a factor deep. And then Will Disley, like you said, has emerged as I think Russell Wilson's sort of security blanket. There's been a few games this year when the Seahawks really get the ball out of Wilson's hands really quickly, especially that, that Steelers game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I set a career high or career low I guess in the the quickest he was getting the ball out of his hands in any given game so Disley you know kind of just up the seam and and underneath has been a big factor there for him so that's kind of like the Seahawks offensive group that you really have to pay attention to good stuff it'll be interesting because I see I see DK Metcalf as a potential major problem if you remember you might not have you, you you cover the entire NFL so maybe you do remember but AJ Brown broke out against Cleveland week one and um, mm. um, yeah. a lot of that was because of the Browns sort of attacking the run game. They play a three deep, three under fire zone system a lot of times, and that left Denzel and uh, and Greedy on, on islands, and it caused them some fits. They didn't close quick enough, and a guy who runs a straight line can make one cut on a post or a, a hard slant and, and uh, make somebody miss with power. A.J. Brown did that to them, and I see D.K. Metcalf as yep, a much better yep. version of A.J. Brown, and now the Browns are supposed to maybe possibly get back Denzel Ward and uh, Greedy Williams, who cover well, but they're not big physical guys by any stretch of the imagination. So it'll be interesting right. how they go about rushing those guys back from hand. I mean, they've been out for three four weeks, but they're the first time they've been limited in practice this week. So, um, you know, Terrence Mitchell and T.J. Carey I don't think have the overall skill set. They don't turn as well, they don't run as well, but they're more physical. So maybe they view those two as a better matchup. We'll just... Uh, We'll just have to see. Good stuff on their offense. Defensively, it's uh, it's interesting. They have one of the worst pressure rates from their front four alone. Um, they obviously <laughs> yeah, went out and got Jadevian. <laughs> yeah, they got Jadevian Clowney, who seems to be playing well enough. I mean, he's got 16 mm-hmm. hurries, and he's getting some some pressure. He's the highest-graded pro football focus guy. And I, grades aren't the end-all, be-all, but they do tell you who's playing well and who's playing who's playing poorly right. for the most part. And uh, and he he's you know by far their best player. And 
you know, the, the, you know, some other interior defensive guys pop up on the list, Quentin Jefferson, Puna Ford. Um, I'm, I'm particularly interested in, it's a two-parter. First, you know, what, how's the defensive line playing? Can, are they going to need to bring pressure to get home? I mean, this is the type of game for them they probably feel like watching film they can really get after and, and, uh, and, right. and, and, and sort of rectify those numbers. And then secondly, the linebacker group with K.J. Wright and uh, obviously all-world Bobby Wagner. Like, Bobby Wagner's not grading well. Is there? It, it looks like he's got a 45-6 in coverage. Is there? Is there a notable? And the same with K.J. Yeah. Wright, who's a 42-3. Are you noticing? Sometimes, like, they'll grade Joe Schobert really well in coverage. When I watch it, I'm like, he was okay. Like, I, I'm just yeah. interested. Like, are you noticing linebacker middle-of-the-field coverage issues there? Like, why would those two be struggling hmm. sort of? I don't know. Maybe you don't have an answer. It's tough. That that is a good question. I haven't looked at that like necessarily specifically. Um, I would say the one thing that has been kind of interesting about the Seahawks defense this season is they've matched up with base defense against eleven personnel. I want to say more than any other team in the NFL this year. Um, part of that I think is that they don't have a nickel corner that they truly trust at this point. They like you. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, but Justin Coleman was their nickel corner last year. He got paid by the Lions, and he's been balling out this year. So losing him from their defense has been a big deal. Um, and they're playing and, Michael Kendricks, right? The, the who was with Cleveland and went yeah. to Seattle when the when the case came. So those are the base the, the yep. base linebackers: Kendricks, Wagner, and and uh, yeah, you're right. Like KJ Wright, 301 snaps. Michael Kendricks, 237, and Bobby with 320. So you're right. They're, <laughs> yeah. they're playing those guys a ton. So that uh, inherently to me, it just says they're, they're getting mismatched, like they're getting mismatched, um, you know, and it does, it does make sense to me that maybe those guys are getting exposed a little bit in coverage. Bobby Wagner has always been one of the greatest coverage linebackers in the NFL. It does surprise me a little bit that his numbers are down there. Um, and that's Do you want to hear this, Danny? To watch. 21, they haven't tracked it. 21, 25 targets. He has given up 21 catches on 25 targets. For 270 yards and a touchdown. That's a lot. Um, <laughs> How much yak is he giving up? Does let me see say? if they track it. Yards, reception. It does not necessarily say yak. Now, I'm sure somebody who works in their upper part could tell us that, but it doesn't tell us in this yeah. elite stuff. But, like, Michael Kendricks has given up 18 catches on 19 targets for a buck 43 and a touchdown. And then K.J. Wright is 25 of 34 for 138 yeah. and a touchdown. So it's like they're obviously being targeted. Like, they're sitting in base, yep. Yep. and and teams are targeting – you know, if they are they a heavy zone team or they heavy man team? What are they predominantly? They mix it up. You know, okay. they've generally and 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 uh, traditionally Carroll been a very zone team, and but you know they kind of do mix it up this year. I think they don't have they don't have the personnel to necessarily run what they've always wanted to run. You know, over the last couple of years, they don't have the cornerback play that they used to. They certainly don't have the safety play that they used to with um, Bradley McDougal, Tedrick Thompson, are their two starters. And obviously losing Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor over the last few seasons has affected their ability to do what they really want to do. Um, but, yeah, I, I would say, you know, it's not incredibly surprising that all three of those linebackers are struggling in coverage because, like I said, I think that they're instantly just kind of at a disadvantage. They're going up against 11 personnel a lot in base defense, and that means you're matching a linebacker up a lot of the time with a slot receiver. So yeah, automatically, you know, that's a huge disadvantage in speed. They still trust those guys. My guess is, just off the top of my head without studying it, they're doing a lot of just sort of zone drops, letting a guy catch it in front of them and trying to tackle quickly. That's kind of the Seahawks' MO, mm-hmm. is just keep everything in front, 
you know, we can take, we can take these underneath, you know, passes and we can, we're fine with that. Just don't get beat over the top kind of thing. Um, and you know, that would kind of, that's just my theory. I, I haven't looked at it closely, but it is kind of surprising that, that all three of those guys have, um, you know, just not, it, it's, it's surprising on one hand. It's not surprising other. I'd say I think those guys are all three very good players and that's why they're playing so much. But at the same time, I think the scheme is limiting them somewhat. Yeah, I mean, I I talked to for the guys who are listening to this. I talked to to Danny about questions I'm going to ask, and I didn't I didn't know I was going to ask him this question. It just kind of like and, and, and it is a, this, it is a very interesting thought though. That's something I'm going to sure watch is. going forward. It sure is. So secondary wise, um, you know, they 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 play some guys. I know Tedrick Thompson had that ridiculous interception. Um, oh yeah, like, yeah, to close that game out. But like Tedrick and Trey Flowers are their two worst graded consistent. I mean, just yeah. period. They're they're but ones of trays at a fifty and point seven and thirty one point one. Um, you know, Shaquille Griffin is playing fantastic football, but other than that, it's kind of like, you know, Bradley McDougal is is okay, uh, but but yep. is yep. secondary like you said, it's it's not what it used to be, huh? Yeah, and I think you know Seahawks fans have I would say not been a big fan of Tedrick Thompson. <clears throat> that that interception I think was kind of <laughs> the first big play I think a lot of people <laughs> can remember him making. <clears throat> excuse me so yeah it's been a growing it's been growing pains and sort of a evolution kind of what's been happening at the, at the safety position a lot of people were really pissed the Seahawks let Earl Thomas go we're really just kind of upset about how that whole situation ended because Earl Thomas obviously an all-world player mm-hmm. he hasn't played all that great actually for the Ravens this year so maybe the Seahawks knew something that we didn't all know listen I think but, the Ravens are just a mess like how they're working yeah. schematic he's still flying around he's 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 a difference maker in my opinion he would have obviously I think been really good for you guys still but um yeah, yeah that, communication that, 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 is so big with sure, you know sure. communication and, and what you're asking guys to do and especially when he's playing like a single high look or whatever Mm-hmm. Is clearly a big deal. So, sure. um, I think the Seahawks are just trying to kind of get by with like a MacGyvered up a little, like secondary a little bit. You know, trying to you know play a little more too high stuff and 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 just get by with it. They got Marquise Blair um, in the second round this year. He hasn't really been playing. Um, he may play this week, so that could be something to watch. He, he's a kind of a downhill hard hitter. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Tedrick Thompson has not been great, and Bradley McDougal is just kind of like a a steady veteran. You know, he's not he's not like anything electric or exciting or whatever. But you know, he kind of just knows where to be. So he, he's sort of the leader of that group. Like you said, Shaq Griffin's played really well this year, which is a great you know it's a big deal for the Seahawks because last year he just didn't look like he, he just didn't look great. He he had a good rookie season, you know, kind of flashed as a rookie. Then last year he took a step back. This year he's played really well, so that's really exciting for the Seahawks. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think offensively against Seahawks offense, Cleveland defense, they're going to score. I think they're going to get to 24 relatively relatively easily. Now, can the Browns get to 27? Can they get to 30? That yeah. is what is going to be fascinating to me because – you know, I'm sure the Browns are looking at the Seattle defense and saying, man, there's some things that we can take advantage of, and there's some things that we do well that they don't do well, and et cetera. And then I think Seattle's probably looking at it as a chance to sort of right the ship and do some things. And there's a formula to beat Baker Mayfield right now with disguised coverages. So um, I'm fascinated. It should be a great game. I thank you yeah, for joining me, Danny. Absolutely. I'm going to put you on the spot before we go, man. Give me your score prediction for Sunday, <laughs> 1 o'clock. I know the Seattle team has oh, never man. really fared all too well. They don't love coming over to Cleveland, especially tough on, even with the extra four days or whatever after the Thursday night game. It's never easy playing a 1 o'clock game in, uh, in the East Coast. So where do you think it goes? Right. 
Oh, that's a good question. It's it's tough because I don't have a huge amount of confidence in the Seahawks right now, but also I've watched the Browns this year and I definitely <laughs> don't have much confidence in the Browns. Like, you know, I mean, you, you, you're in the thick of it. Oh, yeah. um, I would probably say, I, I agree with you, I think it's going to be kind of a high-scoring game. I think off the top of my head, I would say 30 to 29-ish range, and I think the Seahawks will end up pulling it off. Um, I just, you know, it, it's gonna, it is going to be a close one, though. I agree, man. It'll be a good game. I think Cleveland plays better 1 o'clock games, and um, it should be a good atmosphere. And hopefully, listen, I, I just wanted Monday night to be a good game, and it was boring as hell route. So I just hope <laughs> it's a good game, buddy. Thanks yep. for joining me, Danny. Absolutely. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you. All right, guys, that's enough for today. We will uh, hopefully come back Sunday with a less depressing post-game podcast that includes some good insight. I didn't have any good insight for you guys after the Monday game. I was as confused and dumbfounded as you were. Hopefully this one's better. I appreciate you joining us. Danny taking his time. Um, He's a busy guy and giving us some Seahawks insight. Keep uh, subscribing. Keep jumping on Twitter, giving suggestions, who you want to hear from, questions you want answered. Wrote on Baker Mayfield. Is he a one-read guy today? Some really interesting stuff in there uh, over at the OBR. Hope you guys get a chance to go check that out. So, again, thanks for joining us. We'll come back at you uh, Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening. All right, go Browns. Go Browns.